Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to From the Press Box, the Holland Sentinel Sports Staff's weekly podcast where we talk anything and everything sports. Um, sports editor Dandy Adana, along with my assistant Bo Troutman. Yo. Um, we've got a lot to talk about this week. Uh, plenty of things high school football playoffs. We got playoffs going on for a lot of the high school sports now. Um, and, you know, college football, pro football, the Lions. We'll get to state cross country finals, the latest with Luke Witkowski, and. All the MIAA tournaments, Hope Football, we'll look ahead to uh, more playoff football. But first, in a we had a, a, an entire podcast about this last time. The Hall of Fame, the Baseball Hall of Fame, has announced its modern era ballot. And uh, this is uh, an interesting predicament. This is the, the for those to try to give the Reader's Digest version. The Hall of Fame is voted on by the baseball writers. And then if people don't make it within 10 years they get kicked to uh another ballot that's split up by eras and then there's 10 finalists picked by a panel for each era and each era is voted on a different year they rotate them and so this is the modern era two years ago alan trammell and jack morris from the tigers were voted in upon this era and the big scuttlebutt was that their teammate lou whitaker who arguably has better stats than both of them, was left off the ballot completely, not even just not voted on for the Hall of Fame. So they announced this this week, uh, yesterday actually, and Lou Whitaker was on the ballot, finally. So he's uh, one of the ten finalists um, on the Hall of Fame ballot, which is a big deal, um, especially uh, Detroit fans know we, in a lot of sports, we've gone a long time without (laughs) Hall of Famers. I mean, we've had Barry Sanders and um, Lidstrom... You know, Eisenman, guys like that. Easy picks, you know, that that have happened. Uh, Isaiah Thomas, obviously, Joe Dumars, guys like that. But for for a long time, the Tigers fans, the last before two years ago when Trammell and Morris made it, the last Tiger to make the Hall of Fame was Hal Newhouser in 1991. And he played during the war. That's how long ago he played. Uh, so the last Hall of Famer to play was Al Kaline before uh, Trammell and Jack Morris. So this is huge for a number of reasons. Um, first of all, Whitaker has the stats as a second baseman, and when you put his stats up against Trammell as a shortstop, both middle infielders, that his case should be pretty easy. But unlike Trammell, who lasted the entire time on the writer's ballot, and Jack Morris, Lou Whitaker didn't even get enough votes to stay on the ballot the first time. You have to get 5% of the vote to stay on the ballot. Right. And they and it wasn't even until they changed the rules to these eras that Whitaker was even eligible again at all. And here he is a finalist now um, where he should be. So it's just a weird situation. But it's uh, for all you uh, lifetime sports fans out there, you'll know some of these names. So here's the ballot. Lou Whitaker's on the ballot. 
catcher Ted Simmons, who, when Tramlin Morris was elected, missed by one vote. Also, he almost joined them. Uh, two-time MVP Dale Murphy, uh, MVP and batting champion Dave Parker, Don Mattingly, also MVP and batting champion, um, Steve Garvey, former MVP, Dwight Evans, who was also new on the ballot this time around, um, great all-around outfielder, and kind of like Whitaker, one of the more underappreciated players. Um, then you got baseball union leader Marvin Miller, which is, with all the way, things that have happened with labor in baseball, it's still kind of insane to me that he wasn't elected 25 years ago. <laughs> right. um, and then you got uh, pitcher Tommy John and catcher Thurman Munson, who is unfortunately most famous for dying in a plane crash during his career, oh, um, which without that, I, he probably as a catcher with his numbers would have been in long ago as well. So Whitaker is an interesting uh, stat anomaly here because of his middle infield. But if you play, so if you like, you know, there's there's uh, old stats, hits, batting average, mm-hmm. RBIs, home runs. You know, obviously home runs goes either way. But then there's the modern analytics with war and things like that. Right. If you go with old statistics, Lou Whitaker has more hits, more home runs, more runs scored, more RBIs than Alan Trammell. Mm-hmm. And they played together. And Whitaker did it in one fewer season. Wow. So by traditional stats, his batting average is like six points lower than Trammell, which over 20 years is not that big of a deal. They're about even there. So if you're going by traditional stats, two middle infielders have played on the same team, it would seem that Whitaker has a slight edge. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was not the World Series MVP in 84. Alan Trammell was. That's a little bit of intangibles there, but they both won some gold gloves for their defense, and they're almost identical, And mm-hmm. which is, when you think about it, Tiger fans don't think about one without the other very often. Trammell and Whitaker, they go together. You know, like, right. uh, I don't know what other things that go together. Yeah. Peaches and cream. Yeah. I don't know. Like, what, like, yeah. Yeah. like strawberries and cream in Wimbledon. Pop like, and uh, pizza. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, just it's it's they're they're forever tied together. Like Ab and Costello. I mean, like that they just yeah. go together. So then if you go by analytics, Lou Whitaker has the highest war higher than Trammell mm-hmm. and way higher than Jack Morris, even though he's a pitcher. He's, they still have ways to measure that. His war is the highest of any player not in the Hall of Fame that played after the 1800s. There's one player ahead that played in the 1800s mm-hmm. that had a higher war, which is hard to even judge that because it was so long ago and the game was so different. So anyway, he has the of modern players. He has the by far the highest war of anyone that's not in the Hall of Fame. That's wow. eligible. That's not a steroids. Obviously, Barry right. Bonds has a higher right. war and Roger yeah. Clemens, um, but they're that's not the reason they're not in. Um, it's not their right. stats. So. This could be huge for the Tigers and for Whitaker. I mean, Whitaker clearly deserves it. But so, anyway, you slice it. If you take out winning the World Series MVP, Whitaker was a better and more valuable player than Trammell. Mm-hmm. Most Tiger fans, when I was growing up, watching these two, didn't think that way. I thought they were pretty even. A lot of people thought they were pretty even. But the numbers now show, and that's this is the beauty of analytics. I don't think there's a analytics makes some weird things about some weird players make them look way better than they are but i like it for players like this where it's an added layer of learning about their underappreciated value so yeah tigers might have another hall of famer this year we'll see they get voted on in december at the winter meetings uh there's a committee uh last year the committee voted in lee smith and harold baines uh, on a different era committee the today's game ballot um which Lee Smith was a unanimous and very easy selection to take. He was the all-time saves leader before Mariano Rivera. Mm. Um, people, you know, it was, people pretty much expected him. Harold Baines was off the wall. They, he was a DH that played a really long time. 
compiled a, really, a lot of great stats, but was never in the conversation for best player in the game, but played a long time and got a lot of things done. One of my favorites, actually, but it was still weird for me that he was elected to the Hall of Fame. And I wrote a column about this last year. When one of your favorite players gets elected, you should be so happy. And I was so confused. <laughs> um, right. And not because I don't think he deser- deserves it necessarily, but because I think there's 20 players that deserve it more than he does. So, right. Um, but they were from a different era, so that's, yeah. that's where you go. So, But this could be – I mean, these era committees are actually pumping out players. We had years where just no one made it forever. And that affected Zealand native Jim Cott, who was on – he's on the golden era ballot. And they'll be voted on next year, and he'll be – almost positively a finalist again for that he missed by two votes last time wow um so but this could be a huge run for especially for west michigan too i mean tiger fans could get whitaker in there and then i mean next year if you like they could get zealand fans could get jim cott in there and then his teammate tony oliva is going to be a finalist and then you've got a couple of white Sox, former white Sox, dick allen and minnie minoso who will be finalists on there too so you got the chicago area this is this is very exciting it could be very exciting for this area where we got some chicago fans we got detroit fans and obviously jim cott's from zealand so um but whitaker being on this ballot is huge and it shows him and dwight evans being on this ballot shows that for the first time the modern analytics are helping the cases of people on these committees because these, this committee is like a, a 15 16 member committee that just sits around and talks and votes it's old play it's former players former broadcasters a couple former writers it's a mixed bag they don't always they saw these players so they might not rely as much on analytics mm-hmm. But if analytics got Lou Whitaker onto this ballot and they remember seeing him and him being as good as Trammell, that's a good sign. So mm-hmm. that's my geeking out a little bit. Uh, they can vote for four, up to four people. The committee can vote for up to four. Anybody get, that gets 12 of the 16 votes makes it. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, last time from this era, Trammell and Morris made it. I think both unanimously, if I remember correctly, or one of them was mm-hmm. unanimous. One of them missed by one vote. Mm-hmm. And then Ted Simmons missed by one vote. So hopefully yeah. he makes it in. That's awful hard to take. So hopefully he makes it with Whitaker. If it was me and I had four votes, I'd vote for Lou Whitaker and Ted Simmons and Marvin Miller, the labor union head, and probably Dale Murphy, although I would vote for a few other guys on that list too yeah um i probably think that eight of the ten deserve it so um but there's been a backlog from this year for so long until trammell and morris kind of finally broke through so mm-hmm. that's my geeking out on baseball um for those of you who don't know i used to work at the baseball hall of fame i'm obsessed with the hall of fame elections and uh with players getting their due you might notice that in some of my writing that that's how some of these features come about is finding a way for players to get their due um, and help them receive recognition. So that's kind of like what fuels me as a journalist a lot of times too. So very interesting though. Could be very exciting next year. Uh, the and the writers ballot uh, has a few holdovers like Larry Walker and Kurt Schilling that are kind of that could be kind of close. But the big newcomer is Jeter. So it could be a Jeter and Whitaker situation next year. Two middle infielders. Uh, and, of course, Jeter's from Kalamazoo. So it's another Michigan connection in this whole thing. So that's very exciting. Right. So That's cool. Yeah. All right. So now that Bo has watched me geek out and... I'm still here, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. Thought how in the world and why in the world I know all of that off the top of my head. Yes, that was all off the top of my head. We will get back into yeah. some of the local <laughs> stuff. Anyone else? By the way, anyone has any... More thoughts to share on the Hall of Fame stuff or anything that we do, feel free to send an email to sports at hollandsentinel.com and we'll be glad to chat with you about anything um, and you know have some suggestions even about what we want to talk about. Um, but uh, the Baseball Hall of Fame, especially with our uh, 
readership, especially our print readership around here, um, we have a pretty strong middle-aged and older, we'll say, uh, readership. There's a lot of people, obviously, who come out here to retire by the lake, and they love their baseball. And, um, you know, this is kind of one of the things that people really love talking about, especially because, you know, people my age or older, I'm 38, um, saw all these people play. Um, at least a little bit. And if they're older than me, they really saw them play their entire career. So it's kind of fun to see. Yeah. So, all right. So let's move on to some something a little more local. Um, Bo, you're at the state cross-country finals. I was. Uh, we had a lot of great runners do a lot of great things. Just getting to the state finals is a huge accomplishment. Uh, we had a few teams and a handful of individuals there. Uh, just what was that experience like? What was the atmosphere like at Michigan International Speedway? And just talk a little bit about how some of the top kids did. Yeah. It was crazy. Uh, there's a lot of people there, a lot more than I expected. I mean, maybe not more than I expected, but there's just there's a vibe there. It was like it was it was a big deal. It was, it was really really cool. Um, I got stuck there. Uh, actually, <laughs> at the end of the night, I, I was actually locked in. But I, he was I, working hard, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. He was there so long. He was the last one in the building. That's right. That's right. The Holland Sentinel. You know it. Represent. No, but I mean, it was really cool. I, I've never been there before. It was a really big place. Um, they ran a tight ship. It was one race right after the other, and. Uh, you know, we pretty much across all divisions almost, you know, had a bunch of local kids in each division, um, just about. And uh, it was really impressive. I mean, to see West Ottawa's Ariane Olsen, uh, you know, play second overall in Division One. In Division One, too. Yeah, I as mean, a man. freshman. Yeah, that's it's pretty wild. Um, that was really cool talking to her after. Um, you know, uh, Saugatuck, they kind of had a mixed bag of a day, but they were there. Um, you know, there's just there's a ton of athletes, but I think the ones that stuck out were uh, Michelle Kuypers and uh, Jillian Fine from Helen Christian finishing in the top 11. Uh, Olsen, like I mentioned, and, you know, that was, that was a lot of fun to see. Her sister, right, was All-State? Got yep, like yep, 16th, her sister. 15th, 16th, something like that. Yep, yep. Ethan Senti, 25th. Ethan that last Senti, spot yeah. of the All-State. Right, the, la- the very last. Let go, Ethan. Yep. So, or no, or he was 25th, wasn't he? Yeah, isn't he 25? Uh, 30. 30, okay, 30, yeah. all right, maybe not the yeah. last spot, but still way to go, Ethan. Right, yeah. <laughs> but no, and, yeah, it was cool. Uh, everybody's really upbeat uh, for the most part just after the races and uh, it was a cool thing to be a part of. It was just to see, you know, all that work pay out. You know, go go to all the random cro- cross country meets throughout the year. You know, Byron Center or wherever. Then to see it culminate in this giant event was like really, really cool to Very see. Very cool. And cross so. country is great. I mean, we had the both Sagatuck teams were there. The yep. Zealand East girls made it. The Zealand West boys made it. Both Holland Christian teams made it. Yeah. You had runners from Hamilton, runners from Black River. Uh, the West Ottawa girls made it. Yeah, uh, and you had—I mean, that's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot yeah. of representation. Fenville too had Julie Mendoza. Oh yeah, that's yeah. right. I mean, that's yeah. that's a lot of representation. In the last few years, it's been like that, uh, which is really cool to see. So yeah, very very well done with good coverage. If you haven't seen uh, Bo's photo gallery from that week, go ahead back to our site and check that out. Uh, lots of good stuff there, and of course, all the stories—three different stories about each division. So lots of uh, heavy duty reporting. No wonder he was the last one there. So um, we got more postseason stuff going on. District volleyball is going on right now. Hamilton won their opener last night. We're on our way to a lot of other games tonight as of this taping. Um, so uh, we'll talk much more about that when we when it kind of shakes out. But it's kind of exciting. Everybody's got a shot. Um, Zealand water polo, the boys' water polo team, made the state tournament, um, which is very exciting. Um, so we'll have more coverage on that this week. Um, they, they had to get through districts and regionals, and I know they beat – uh, West Ottawa, and I—I I think that was in the district opener to uh, to qualify for regionals. But West Ottawa had beat them like two or three times earlier in the season, and they avenged that loss. Yeah. And then now here they are going to state. 
um, which is very exciting. So um, we'll have more coverage on that in the Sentinel this week. And then, yeah, we've got some other local things going on, too, before we get to football. The MIAA tournaments are this week. Uh, the Hope soccer teams and volleyball team are in action. Uh, basically, if they all win, they're, sem- they're all in the semifinals because they all finish second place. Mm-hmm. If they all win, they all get Calvin in the final. So uh, yeah. it could be a Hope-Calvin crazy Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> With three matchups like that. So that was very exciting. Um, also want to mention that the Hope Cross Country team won the MIAA championship on Saturday. Uh, it's their fifth consecutive MIAA championship for the Hope women. Um, they have NCAA regionals coming up and then are looking to qualify for nationals for the, I don't know how many times in a row, but it's been probably the same four or five times in a row, yeah. um, which is exciting. So um, we'll have more coverage of that stuff this weekend. The uh, conference championship swim meets are this weekend. Hope basketball teams, they started last week against Grand Valley in the scrimmages. They both got clobbered predictably. Both Grand Valley teams are very good and a division above, um, so that's yeah. not anything to be worried about. Uh, they both opened their season uh, this week. Uh, Hope's at going to the tip-off. The women go to the right, – there's a tip-off tournament that yeah, they're headed it's a, to. Yeah, it's a, uh, Augustana. An Augustana, yeah. right. Yeah. And then the Hope men are um, uh, hosting Rippin – uh, on Friday, so uh, we'll have much more coverage as we move into basketball next week. Michigan State is playing tonight. We've got a lot of college basketball stuff that will be coming up. A little too early, if you ask me, but that's just my opinion uh, as a sports editor that's still trying to figure out what the heck is going on with playoffs in the fall. So, yeah. Um, all right, then we got uh, Grand Valley football team uh, beat Davenport. Um, they're now they're playing. Uh, they, actually, they beat Davenport two weeks ago. And they beat Alderson Broadus. I never say that correctly yeah. uh, in the non-conference this week, last week. But they play now. They play Ferris State this week in their big showdown. Uh, very interesting. We got a couple local kids on the team. Jake Slager from Grand Valley has been a powerful tight end and caught a couple touchdown passes. Xavier Wade for Ferris State from West Ottawa is a starting receiver and has three touchdowns. So there could be a nice little local flavor to this rivalry. Ferris State's held the upper hand for most of the last few years with Grand Valley peppering in a couple wins here. But, um, Bo, you went to Grand Valley. This is the best rivalry in Division Two yeah. football. You've been to these games. What's what's the energy like? Uh, it's it's pretty wild. Uh, the only thing I, w- I was always mad about, and I wrote a column about in college, is all the Grand Valley fans, or not the fans, but the students, they all leave at halftime. So if there's a GV student or a parent listening to this, uh, make sure you stay. From a home game? Oh, yeah. Oh, big time! I wrote a big column about it. It went viral. Every actually. game or the Ferris game? Uh, every game. Yeah, oh, it's like it's, it's Saturday night. It's wild in the first half. There's a serious vibe, and it's awesome. But then as soon as the yeah, as soon as halftime hits, it's like it's yeah, it's four loco and Taco Bell time. Yeah, weird. So uh, weird. No, yeah, I wrote a column about it, and the whole athletic department like shared the crap out of it because they were like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, stay. come on, stay, yeah. you guys. What are you and, doing? Uh, so yeah, I mean it's awesome in the first half. <laughs> it's right. really cool. Um, gotcha. But um, it's so hopefully you know if we could just have the fans stay, uh, right. you know, then yeah, it's a great rivalry. You know, right. always. Well, this one's at Ferris. Do, do the tr- GVSU fans travel well? Up? Uh, I don't think the students do as much. Not too no, bad. No. Not as good. The fans. No, there are loyal fans who do, but uh, students not so much. Gotcha. In my experience, so may- maybe it's changed. Well, let's I hope it's but, changed. I yeah. mean, this rivalry is too good to have an empty student yeah. section. And Big Rapids um, is a cool place. There's, there's yeah, some cool stuff to do. There. I mean, yeah. it's a road trip. Let's it's road go. Trip, right. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right, and then we've got uh, the Lions lost to the Raiders. Bo's been waiting all day to talk about this one. He's a Raiders fan and an Ohio State fan. I don't know who let him in here. 
Um, <laughs> but uh, the Lions had their chances. They then did. they pull their receivers on fourth down. Yeah. And even if they're not throwing to them, they, you take away a dimension of what possibly could happen. Right. And also, fourth down, why would you take your best players out? You saw this. What in the world yeah. were they thinking? Well, I think I said in the last podcast something about, like, they're the Lions. Yeah, they'll <laughs> there do it is. the Lions. There it is. That <laughs> yeah, was it. There it is. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I'll tell you what. Yeah, the Raiders were kind of weird this year. And ever since 2016, when, you know, when they were really good, and the Derek Carr got hurt before the playoffs, you know, ever since then we've been pretty, like, lukewarm, you know, pretty shaky. But uh, you know, Derek Carr made all the throws. I mean, that, that's the thing. I mean, the Lions didn't play bad. It's just the Raiders were really on. You know, they really responded. They didn't let the Lions back in it. They really made the plays to win that game. No, but, it's, and it's a bummer for Lions fans, especially because yeah. they there had to be more people than myself, the neighbors, whoever else, yelling at the television set. Why would you take those guys out on yeah. fourth down um, and let them know basically what you're doing? Um, you have no, you, and then they ran a pass play on top of it. There's with no options. Yeah. If the guy's covered, you're done. Right. Doesn't make any sense. It's classic yeah. Lions, right? Well, exactly. I mean, fourth it's down, not supposed you're supposed to, to have as many options as possible. Yeah. For the quarterback, yeah. they should be rolling out. There should be three guys coming across the same way he's rolling out, so he could hit any of them or run it in. Yeah. Now that doesn't mean it always works, but those are that's four options. Yeah. Or you could even throw it way back to the other guy. There's technically five options there. They ran a play that had one option, one viable option at least, yeah. and that was it. Yeah. So just a mess. I just, for the Lions, and you know, I don't want to be the bringer of bad news, but it just smells like, I can just smell the seven, uh, what would it be? It'd Another be, seven and nine season? Se- no, no, seven, eight, and one. Oh, yeah, seven, eight, one, that's right. Yeah. Seven, eight, and one. I could just feel that coming. <laughs> They live in that yeah. range, don't they? Oh, Just they do. Yeah, eight and eight, seven and nine. Yeah. Come on, these are the games, though, that you got to win to do exactly. that. And that was well. It started in week one against Arizona. They should have yeah. won that game. That's two games. Yeah. I was I left a bar and it was like twenty four to eight or something like that. To find out that they tied, uh, I couldn't believe. I was like, "Wait a minute! There was eight minutes left in that game. Right. How did that happen?" Right, uh, it's ridiculous. And it's just it's the Lions. It's it, ridiculous. It truly is. Uh, Kirk Cousins had another decent game. For the yeah. Vikings, but they lost as well to the Chiefs. The Chiefs, yeah, it was the last second field goal. Yeah, oh, yeah, the last second yeah. field goal. That's right. Yeah. So I mean, this is a t- I mean, the Chiefs defending AFC champions, but without Mahomes, but Matt still, Moore, yeah. it's still it's not like a it's not like a loss that's going to change their season or anything like that. But especially because they played decent, you know, it wasn't like they played awful and lost. It was a good game. They just happened to lose the good game. So I, I still think they're still on the up and up. Uh, what helped them was that the Lions, Bears, and Packers also all lost. Everyone in the division lost. So there's no uh, no one lo- lost any ground there. Uh, they're still one game behind the Packers. Um, and yeah, it's just just interesting though. It's just an interesting. Yeah. S- they all lost. And, right. Um, yeah, so we'll see what happens as they keep moving forward, but still still good things from Cousins. Um, Michigan won big. Michigan State did not play, and they they flip Michigan is off this week, and then next week they play each other. So, um, I mean, that's a, not much to talk about the Michigan game. They won very easily, yeah. um, as they were supposed to. And then uh, so we, another local tie besides Cousins in the professional ranks, Luke Witkowski um, is now on the Tampa Bay lightning organization he just got uh was put on waivers this past week and cleared waivers and now he has been sent down to the syracuse crunch of the ahl so that's the same league that the griffins are in um and he uh so he will be down there for a little bit um 
trying to get his way back to Tampa. He, you know, he had a goal and two assists so far in 12 games, um, but you know hasn't been playing quite at his best, um, at least according to the the team. And he, his playing time was seeing it. He's, he was losing playing time. You know, as 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 the season went on, so this will be good for him to get some playing time. Hopefully, be able to work out a f- couple of things and be called up when they need somebody, or um, you know, earn his w- spot back up. But it's it's always tough. He's he's been that guy that's up and down, up and down, up and right down, right on the fringe, right? Yeah. Like all those Toledo Mudhens guys that yeah. are a little too old to be playing every day at Erie Double A Erie, you know, and stuff. So yeah, um, so hopefully, good things are still in store for him. Um, I mean, in all honesty, there's no shame in. You know, being I mean, he was he was the captain of the Syracuse Crunch before he got called back up to the Lightning the first time he was on him, and then got then moved to the Red Wings, you know, and stuff. So right. uh, there's no shame in being a AHL captain kind of a player. I mean, that's pretty. Most people don't even get that. So right. Um, so hope, but hopefully he'll be earning his way back to the NHL. Um, he maybe he's glad he's not on the Red Wings because they're in a free fall. I don't know what that's about. Uh, they looked really good the first few games, uh, and then they lost. What they yeah. lost eleven of twelve Something or like eleven that. of thirteen. That's bad. Yeah. Um, just a free fall. So yeah. um, we t- we talk a lot on this podcast about Harbaugh and D'Antonio and hot seats, you know, and stuff like that. I don't know how the Red Wings coach Jeff Blashill is not on the hot seat. Yeah. I mean, they. I mean, I was surprised when Eiserman retained him when he came back to be the general manager mm-hmm. i thought there was going to be just a new era that came in all across the board um but i don't i just don't see i'm not saying he's a bad coach but i don't see him helping them improve at this level right now they're i mean these are players that most of the players have been on the team for a while don't get me wrong their defense is not good mm-hmm. now part of that is schematic though and they not need to figure that out um but you know all these young guys that can score a lot of goals aren't going to get the they're going to be two goals down by the time they get that chance every game if their defense doesn't improve. So um, we might be talking about hot seats coming up. So um, the Pistons have already started. We'll talk about them a little bit more. Not really terribly much to report. That's, you know, Andre Drummond's getting 20 points and 20 rebounds every game, and they're winning some and losing some just as we expected. So, um, all right, so now let's get to – we got to Hope Football. That was a big game uh, this week while Bo was – running the course at Michigan International Speedway. More like um, fast walking. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, I was covering Hope, playing Alma. They looked in control most of the game, but then Alma made some plays down the stretch and made it real close. Um, but Hope wins and uh, has two games left. If they beat Kalamazoo on Saturday, they can clinch a share of the MIAA title. And if they win out, they win the outright MIAA title for the first time since 2006, which... I did not realize it was that long since they won the outright That's title. Crazy. That is a long time. Um, they've been second the last three years, I think. Um, they've been really close. They've had some good teams, but uh, uh, it seems like they're headed for it this year. Um, yeah, Mason Apples just in control. They can pass. They can run. They can do their defense played for the most part pretty good, um, and will keep them in a lot of games. So. It'll be interesting to see what happens, but it was a good win for them um, as they go on the road at Kalamazoo this week. And then we had the Bird Bowl Part 2. How could we forget? Um, not, not that we forgot. We were just kind of making you listen to all our other talk about other sports uh, before we got to that. But um, it actually happened a little too predictable for my taste. Uh, yeah. Zealand, Zealand West took control. or uh, Zealand East scored the first. 
It looked interesting at that point. Yeah. Zealand West came back and scored. There were two different times where Zealand East had the chance to counter. Uh, Zealand West scored again. They could have scored again to tie. Didn't happen. And then Zealand West just kept cruising. That's kind of how they operate. Um, but you got to be able to to beat Zealand West. You got to make those punches when you get them. And uh, that the chicks were not able to do that. Those especially those two key drives um, when they were uh, when they were behind. Eight seven, and then when they were, you know, behind, whatever it was sixteen seven. Yeah. Um, so, but they had a chance as both of those two, they and did. that's, I mean, that was it. I mean, the the whole vibe of the game changes at that point. Now you're down, you know, two scores plus two point conversions, and mm-hmm. you know, it's a very uphill battle when you get to that point. So, yeah, I think uh, it hurts that you just see like what a strong running game Zealand West has. I think it hurts that Zealand East doesn't have like that down in distance running back that you can just like no Hunterman is good middle. I mean he can do it but that's not their scheme uh, yeah it's not his style I feel like yeah, yeah. he's more the, on the outside the perimeter kind of right guy, and you know. he catches the ball very well out yeah. of the backfield um, so just a uh, uh, good but tough season for Zealand East altogether mm-hmm. they finished five and five lost to the Ducks for the first time both times in the year um, after beating them both times last year um, but also, Zealand West is really, really good. Yeah. We got to remember they only lost once this season by three inches and one point to Byron Center, and now they play another undefe- they play an undefeated team, Edwardsburg, this week, and in a battle of the wing tees. And this game could be pretty epic because when both teams know the system, it's it's a chess match with the coaches mm-hmm. to figure things out, and it's a battle of the lines. Who, whichever's offensive line wins that battle, will win this game. Mm-hmm. Um, but kind of interesting that uh, you know that's two wing T games. I mean, Bo, you're going to be you're going to be up there in the press box, the warm and cushy press box again. What do you think? Um, you know, I don't know. I'll be honest, I don't know a ton about Edwardsburg, but um, if I'm a Zealand West fan, I mean, how can you not be confident? I mean, they're just the running game is just. I don't care who they go up against. I mean, that running game is just so so good. And then to top it off, you have Carson Gulker, who you know he can throw. It's not like they can only run. I mean, he can make the plays when he needs to. I think he's shown that all season. So right and. And well, let's not forget about their defense. I mean, obviously, right. Zealand yeah. East has uh, has been a team that scored a lot of points on a lot of people this year, and they shut yeah. them down twice. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, even Byron Center has been rolling over people too, and they lost twenty three twenty two. So they still didn't give up a ton of points there. Um, you put that all together. I mean, I don't. I mean, I would. I'm picking Zealand West in the game, and I would mm-hmm. think you are too. Easily. Um, yeah. There's just, especially at home, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but it's just yeah. it's just an interesting. It could be very interesting, though, um, and I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens there. Um, we got Hope home opener of basketball, too, so there'll be a lot of things this weekend, plus the OK Conference swim meets, the green and the red. Um, the MIAA finals could be all Hope Calvin all the time. Yeah. <laughs> it is our busiest weekend of the fall, um, and partially because it's all the big playoff stuff, and it's always – Hope basketball openers on that same weekend. I don't know why they can't wait a weekend or even go midweek <laughs> or something, but it's yeah. just a mess. Um, but we will be at everything we can be at, and uh, we will be bringing you coverage on all this stuff this week. So, um, yeah, Zealand West versus Edwardsburg will be the big football uh, the football game. Hope at Kalamazoo for a share of the league title. Uh, Grand Valley versus Ferris State for bragging rights and first place there. Um Lots of things. That's just the football stuff. We're going to have some uh, – Zealand might win the conference championship in swimming. Uh, and 
probably will, I should say, um, if everything goes on paper as it was, but that doesn't always happen on paper, obviously. Um, we'll see what Hamilton diver Rhea Blood does. Um, she's been crushing her own records. This will be her last conference meet. Um, and then we've got all the volleyball districts going on this week, and the MIAA tournaments could be some epic Hope Calvin matches, too. That is a ton. It's a lot. And that's, thank goodness the Michigan-Michigan State game isn't this week. That would have been even crazier. That's too yeah. many things. That's too many things. They'll give us a little breather there, yeah. but that's that's a ton to that's a ton to tackle. But uh, we are up to the challenge, that's right? So, um, but yeah, get out and see something. There's something exciting to see, no matter what sport you like. You know, indoors, outdoors, cold, warm, water, land, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> There's some good stuff this week. So um, we will be back to wrap all that up and continue to look ahead next week. Um, but, uh, yeah, get out there and see some postseason action while you can, um, before it's all basketball all the time. (laughs) So, um, but yeah, enjoy your weekend and, uh, yeah, watch some sports. We, you know, we will be, (laughs) um, and for Bo, I'm Dan and we'll see you next week. going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.